0: Welcome back to another
1: episode of Tinfoil
2: Hat. Tinfoil Hat. Come with me into the waters of conspiracy with Sam Tripoli. Sam Tripoli. Sam Tripoli. Mr. Sam Tripoli. Just Sam Tripoli <laughs> off. With my friend Ryan Davis. Uh, hi, Ryan. We're I'm the like first doing this gay cause... couple of conspiracy theories. Yep. I think it's beautiful, man. I love their partner.
1: <laughs> What the fuck are you guys even talking about?
2: Are you ready to get your mind blown? Revolution will be podcasted. And we are back in the bunker for another tin foil hat. Guys, thank you guys so much for tuning in. We really appreciate you guys are the best uh the episode just keep getting better and better the last one you guys love it uh yeah just go to itunes uh wherever google play wherever you want go there find it it's uh the we have the last two came out first of all join me as my partner in crime my my uh aquaman to my batman uh the most off the grid dude you'll ever meet in your life one of the uh, the coolest cats I know, my good friend Ryan Davis. That's right,
0: Sam. I'm here and I'm ready to get weird.
2: Yeah, for sure. So, guys, uh, super excited. Go to sound, go to SoundCloud, go to um, Tim Fo- go to SoundCloud backslash Tim Foyle with Sam Tripoli. Go do all, go to all your uh, place. You can get it whether it's a Stitcher, iTunes, you name it. uh it's there. Where else could it be, Aaron? Aaron, where else could it be? We're on YouTube. We're on YouTube. Yes, check out the YouTube, dog. Check out the YouTube. YouTube has all the videos up here. If you want to see visually what we're doing here, go and check it out. Check out the YouTube. Check out the um, our Instagram, our Twitter. Again, it's Mad Hatter's 39ers. Check that out. Check out the. Oh, that's the same thing. Check out, look at that, man, almost a 1,000 followers on our Instagram, all the best pictures. Our homeboy off the grid is definitely putting that together. And then go on to uh, Reddit, putting tinfoil hat show and catch up, talk to other tinfoil hatters, talk to other mad hatters, get it going. So, yeah. And then, of course, the t-shirts, you guys are loving t-shirts, you guys are People are loving the smoke, weed, eat, pussy, hell, Satan t-shirt. I'm really amazed. I love it, dude. I'm going to go get me one of this one. I'm going to buy one this week. Uh, The tinfoil hat ones, you guys love it. On the back it says, now you will see them too. And then, of course, everyone's favorite, woke.
0: Prince. Yeah, and for those of you who have bought shirts, go ahead and post uh, to our Instagram. We'll go ahead and Oh, yeah, and man. Insta-
2: put those up, and we'll post them to our Instagram. Spread the word. Spread the love. Spread the word. Spread the love. Philadelphia. How you like me now, Philadelphia? I will be at the Philadelphia Punchline. Punchline Philly, uh, August 24th through the 26th. You can get your tickets now at punchlinephilly.com backslash Sam Tripoli. Go getting i promise you it will get weird dude it is going to get weird that is the business everybody that's the business so ryan
0: what is up bud Oh, man, I'm excited. I just uh, worked the Neil Diamond concert last
2: week. Not only did you work the Neil Diamond concert, a week before that, what did you work? Oh, I was on stage with Slayer. You know, Sl- so you did Slayer and Neil Diamond. You're almost like the Eagles of death metal. That's what they say. They're between Eagles and death metal. Oh, that was awesome. I saw a bunch of weird white
0: people both weekends.
2: You saw people who have mastered their art form, yeah. which is amazing. And, and both a- of them are legends in their own way. I was very
0: surprised at the mosh pit at the Neil Diamond concert. I mean, those oldies in their wheelchairs and their walkers,
2: they don't fuck around. Hey, dude, we're, you know what, man? I love Neil Diamond. When he does Sweet Caroline the, for the second time, ba, ba, ba. my Your head explodes. It's amazing. <laughs> He's a master. He's had so many hits, dude. 50 years in the game, that's amazing. So let's get into the show, man. Thank you guys for tuning in. Thank you for all your support. We got a really good one. You guys love the Marty Leeds one. You guys love the Brody Stevens and Brian Tush. One, Kush Tush. To Tui. Two, we won. Tish uh, So thank you. So this one I've been really excited about. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about the episode we're getting into, Rob?
0: Yeah, we were uh, a couple months ago, I'd say we were backstage at the Laugh Factory. I was uh, following you around like a little puppy. And we were sitting there. We happened to have a conversation with a young up-and-coming comic. Uh, his name's uh, Sean Joshi. And uh, we got started talking about uh, you into anything fringe, conspiracy. And he was like, you know, I got a really good... Uh, case for some historical evidence of something very interesting which we're going to get into so no further ado
2: Please welcome Sean jo- Joshi, Joshi
0: Joshi Joshi Hey what's Bam. up
3: guys what's Thanks for coming Italy? dude How you doing Rhino Thanks for having me bro Thanks yeah.
2: for coming on the show We really appreciate it. I'm super excited About yeah. this topic uh, Can you tell everybody Where they can find
3: you On the internet If you are on the internet Or you like this guy <laughs> Off the grid <laughs> I respect Off the grid man yeah. I wish I had the bravery To be off the grid But I'm in between Two worlds Because the yeah. comedy thing You have to have some football
2: I get asked that all the time If I yeah. was uh, if I wasn't a comedian, would I do uh, Hell no. social media? Hell would no. off it would be awful. It feels Sorry so I'd be I go it.
3: straight Kaczynski. I'd yep. be right in the bunker yep. next to Rhino. Living okay. in the you know forest,
2: hunting with my hands, right. making love to wild women. You got to, And hairy women.
3: Yeah, there we go.
2: Hairy, friction, baby. full bush, <laughs> 85. Yeah, That's I forest some- kindling. People keep talking about 80s Bush. I want 70s, 70s Bush, Bush,
3: man. I'm pretty it sure was that's even how crazy. flossing was accidentally discovered. You know <laughs> hold on. Right?
2: Hold on. Aaron, <laughs> did you just shake your head about that?
3: I did. I, uh, can't,
2: you don't uh, like Bush? Can't do it.
0: No. Why? Gee, A little bit? No. What don't. about Harry Pitts? No, you, you like smelly pits. You no. love kids
2: Aaron. these days, man. God, Aaron. we could not make love, Aaron. You're that's so judgmental. It's an We're acquired so... taste. <laughs> no, yeah. it's not. Quite. It's very natural. You know, it's acquired taste. Having your 30 year old wife have a snatch that looks like it's 15 years old. That's <laughs> the, that's called acquired taste. That's called the fountain of youth. No, <laughs> <laughs> drink from it. Drink from <laughs> it. How can you drink from that? You can't drink from our fountain of youth. We're trying fountain of knowledge. <laughs> the fountain of youth is right next to the fountain of knowledge. Not on my wife. <laughs> our, uh, our whole our whole thing is convince him that this is all true. So good luck on that. It is all true, man.
3: Sean, uh, wh- where can they find you real quick before we get into at that? Sean Joshi, S H A A N J O S H I. My Instagram is uh, Sean dot Joshi, oshi And I'll be doing uh, Vegas, the Tropicana next month, from the 23rd to the 2nd. Oh, you're playing the Laugh Factory. Yeah. Oh, that's great, dude. Come, come say what's up, man. The Laugh Factory's been great
2: the last couple times I've played them. I got the Laugh Factory is great, man. It was, uh, it's been a lot of fun. Whether you know. Each way, it's either you go really early and the, it's a super hot crowd, yeah, or you yeah, go yeah. way
3: late and they're tired, but you can just go off you on could go. I know, like last time, Sam just runs the fuck in, out of breath. Have you ever <laughs> seen Sam do comedy? He goes up on stage the same way. I think I heard something about black infant baby dicks. No, 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 no. <laughs> it was I, it, uh, uh, I have a bit about oppression math and how if you're a
2: fat black gay midget, you <laughs> can what say whatever the fuck you want. <laughs> yeah,
3: yeah, I was chilling there with Chris Redd, and that's the only sequence we heard, and Chris goes, yep, that's a trip. Joke. That's uh, a he joke. was great in Pop Star. I, oh, he's I, was, so good, I didn't man. even know
2: he was in it, and I was yeah, watching yeah,
3: yeah. it, and he crushed
2: it. Did you see the movie Pop Star? No, everyone's been talking about it, man. Who's the guy the leading that? Oh, what's his
3: name? Sandberg. Andy Samberg, yeah. You know what, man? His movies are way better than he gets credit for. They are. Well, what was that other one? Like nobody saw it, and now it's like a cult, like hot rod. Hot like, Rod. Hot you know what rod rod is is, Fucking hilarious. Man.
2: Hollywood gets or the mainstream media or pop culture gets a certain view of you. Yeah. And then they stick with that, and no matter what you put out, it's either people are going to go see it or not based on that view. Like Vince Vaughn. Vince Vaughn put out a couple... Kind of like not the greatest movies, right? Yeah, sure. So people had a view of him in his comedies, and his movies didn't do that well. But right. then you watch like the last couple ones; they're hilarious. Right. This Andy Samberg movie, Pops, are hilarious.
3: I, I think it was it was really funny, and Chris is great in it. And I think the thing that happens with guys like Samberg is Hollywood has no idea how to market that because it doesn't fit. That kind of humor doesn't fit into the little boxes that say okay i know i can understand this i can easily package it here's this they don't know how to sell it
2: yeah you know I mean? and maybe it's not meant to be like a big release like it's yeah. supposed to be like it's it's meant to find its audience in its own it's tie. funny
3: though dude it's, really it's a good. funny ass
2: movie dude yeah. well written dude everybody but he was great so we gigged together at the laugh factory and that was a lot of fun uh sure. but yeah ryan said we met we were talking And you started talking about Hinduism and you're a Hindu and all that stuff? Right,
3: whatever that means. What does that mean? We can get into all that. Well, you know, like when you're discussing Hinduism and you have no prior knowledge of it, it's very hard to explain because it depends on Western concepts of what even the words God and religion mean. You know what I mean? So like Hinduism isn't even a religion in the traditional sense. Like we would look at the Catholic church and we would say, okay, we know this is a religion. This is a central authority that says, you need to check off these particular boxes in order to believe in this faith. Okay, there's no centralized authoritarian to decree that this is hinduism or that this isn't hinduism so there's no central authority to say these are the books that belong in hinduism and these aren't the books that belong in hinduism there's no central church to be like you are a hindu or you are not a hindu okay so it's completely decentralized it's completely disorganized in that sense it's
2: a lot like anonymous in some weird way in some but- ways There's no, there's all these
3: branches, but nobody answers to nobody. That's actually a pretty good analogy, yeah. But it's also why you have that kind of vacuum filled in by you see guys like gurus, you know, or like uh, a school of thought like Hare Krishna's. So you do have these people who come in and try to like codify it, yeah, in their own ways. But true Hinduism. In my mindset, it's completely decentralized. You can't own it. Yeah, it's you know a broad I mean?
0: philosophy, but, but exactly. covers everything from yoga to the concept of, I mean, right. reincarnation. It's, it's got its own built-inness. Sure. I mean it's considered it's one point what is it, 1.1 1. Uh, 1. 1 billion people on the planet are Hindus, that's right. 15% of the global population. Right, But you never hear anything about it in the mainstream media or anything, culture. Yeah, because,
3: well, you do hear about it, but when you hear about it, it's through pure jingoism, it's stuff like they worship cows or you know, they believe in these millions of different gods, both of which are kind of false statements. Um, if, if I had to give a base to Hinduism, I would say it revolves around certain religious texts. And I would say the base of Hinduism are the four Vedas, what's called uh, the Vedic texts, which texts which include the Upanishads. And then what's the post-Vedic texts, which are commonly, more commonly kind of consumed and understood in the West, which is your Mahabharat, which is your Bhagavad Gita, which is your Ramayana. And I think these kind of texts together form some semblance of what we can call Hinduism. Yeah. You know, but... Uh, Just on the other point, we don't worship cows. I have interesting theories on that. Like, they'll tell you- What is that? They'll tell you, okay, if you go and you talk to the Western scholars who are Indologists or whatever, they'll tell you that cows are sacred because uh, their importance in the agrarian society that India was. Meaning, if, if you didn't have a cow, you couldn't plow. You know, you couldn't get milk. You couldn't have cheese. But- I think, you know, we were talking about different stuff before, but if you look at uh, guys like Terrence McKenna and stuff, I think it makes way more sense, especially when you talk about these deep philosophies that these people have nine to 10,000 years ago. And then you just have cows, and then you have what grows from cow shit, and they have these amazingly intricate philosophies. Like, where does this ponderance come from? Where does this occurrence come from? To me, that makes a ton more sense as to why something like that would be held sacred. Like, they didn't have any PlayStations in, in the year 9000, but they sure as shit had, you know, mushrooms and stuff. Oh, so they worship
2: cows because they make magic mushrooms? That's what they're my like, shit they're is. like the magic mushroom machine. They're like the uh, the, the the yogurt machine of magic Absolutely, mushrooms, where you man. just grab the
3: cow. Tail yeah. and, and
2: pop out what, a couple what of What would you mushrooms? be
3: doing in 10,000 B.C.?
2: Dude, i totally get it, dude. Yeah, I'd totally get it. I'd be dropping shrooms left and right. Exactly. I'm trying to find DMT. You know <laughs> I mean, I've
3: been working on it. I found it once. I found DMT once. Did you do it? It was great. It was, it's like, what was, it, it was the experience? I call it the anti-drug because it was like so— Oh, cool, because
2: so... I'm sober. I'm trying to look for a reason <laughs>
3: to do it, and you just gave it to me. It's so hyper-realistic that it's almost not like even a drug. It's like that reality is more grounded than this one in a way. And I was kind of like the guinea pig because my friends were a little afraid for it. So I was there doing it and kind of explaining everything. Dude, your
2: people eat cow patty mushrooms. You can have this too.
3: (laughs) Jesus. Exactly. But it's cool. Like we had Zeppelin on a record and I don't know how to describe it other than like, like a sound frequency became isolated and it's almost like you soar within that one frequency and like you go to this different place within. You know, if you've ever had tunneling in your mind and, and, like, a drug experience, it's like that. But you go to a different plane that exists in almost, like, quadrants. And I just remember being in this circle with other beings I can just describe as living entities outside of myself that I was interacting with. They're all separate intelligence. And we've heard that before about yeah, yeah. DMT, that there yeah. is an interaction with... Uh, yeah. Other beings. Yeah, but you you feel like these are separate intelligences outside of my own being, with their own thoughts, ideas, and motivations, who are coming to me. You know, wow. so it's just like this beautiful, short. It's short, but uh, interactive experience. You know, that is totally worth it. I would recommend it for for anybody. Oh
2: my!
0: Did you get the feeling that uh, the way Terrence McKenna talks about? Um, he has a like an idea that you're underground or you're inside of a large domed his, like, to breaking down of DMT, which he's done many lectures mm-hmm. on, he talks about that. There's a sense of being within, like, below the surface.
3: I don't know if I could speak to that. I could definitely speak to an interdimension, interdimensionality. I
1: Talk could definitely speak
3: to a, an interdimensionality quality to it. Uh, well, I don't know. I don't really feel like I was underwater in a dome. I just felt like I was in a different kind of place like existing within the same kind of realistic structure that we have, but that was just on a different frequency or kind of plane. Unbelievable. You know,
2: yeah.
0: yeah. And what's interesting too about bringing it back to the mushrooms is uh, 40, for the 40 years that they were wan- the Israelites were wandering around in the desert, every morning they, were, they fed off of something called manna, and it grows in the early morning in the mist. And many people have discussed that that's most likely not mushrooms as well. So
2: you're telling me these dudes, these Jews, just wandering <laughs> through the desert, were just micro-dosing?
3: Why do you think it took them 40 years? Yeah, they're, I mean? all
2: off. <laughs> they're all <off>. lost. <laughs> <laughs> ex-
0: they're all lost. They're all just why. walking around. <laughs> I mean, you know Ari? He's a big proponent of uh,
2: yeah. well, mushrooms
0: uh, and uh, the Jewish I stuff. mean,
3: it makes it makes sense to me. like. You're talking about, okay, when did humans start to make stuff like agriculture or build buildings? And we tend to think like civilization emerged at the end of the last ice age, which is like 10, 12,000 years ago, right? So then we think humans have been pretty much anatomically correct for 200,000 years. So you're telling me for 190,000 fucking years they were doing nothing but sitting on their fucking asses? I doubt that, bro. Yeah. I seriously doubt it. And I think, what are you talking about? What engenders that change? What can cause that change? What can be an agent of that change? And the only thing looking around at me that makes any sense that would do that is psychotropic substances, because it would lead them to a deeper understanding and a deeper questioning kind of who they are, what they are, and their place in the universe. Like just even whether you believe in God or not, the ability to believe in God is such an amazing evolutionary step, you know? And you may be able to say, the ability to believe in God and reject it, is a higher evolutionary step. But even to simply conceive of God and your relation to it is such an amazing place on the evolutionary chart. So to me, I think if you go from monkeys to this, that's like, that's the one thing that makes sense.
2: Yeah. I love it. Shrooms made us in the people, huh? Shrooms
3: made us in the people.
2: Or aliens. It could go either way. It could go either way. way. Um, Alien
3: shrooms, perhaps.
2: Alien shrooms? I mean, there is that theory I've heard Rogan talk about before where they (laughs) think that aliens... Uh, that that spores from mushroom spores are actually... It's called a
0: pan... Um,
3: panspermia.
0: Panspermia. Yeah, the yeah. only thing that could withstand the vacuum of space would be spores on an asteroid, and potentially, uh, and not necessarily that it's even from another planet, but there's an idea that life... We know that the world has met many type of extinctions, and one of them being from asteroids. So, For sure. they An asteroid hits the Earth, And then parts of the Earth goes back up into space. Now the whole Earth has become like a dead zone. And then thousands of years later, that same asteroid with containing parts of life, microbes, comes back and reseeds its own planet. That's crazy, dude.
3: I just think logically panspermia makes more sense than life just starting on Earth, you know, it makes much more sense in terms of an asteroidal impact or something that. Yeah,
2: uh, me too, man. Yeah. That's, or where aliens just got weird with some monkeys, you know, and just made people. <laughs>
3: I mean, it could be weird. I mean, aliens well, like weird shit. Well, you know, the thing about it is like, 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 you know, the ideas of aliens have been so gaslit, right? But just looking at it from a mathematical and actually what's possible sense, that's much more possible than God. You know what I mean? One hundred percent. That's actually something physically possible within hey, this reality. Was
2: that was that a record? I went twenty minutes without saying one hundred percent on this show. I respect that. I respect. No, I totally agree with that, man. Yeah. I you know man, we just had this really great episode with this guy named Marty Leeds and just like the the numerology of the Bible right. and all that stuff. And it's just like there's some really an intricate, intelligent shit that happened a long time ago. Oh, for sure. That's way smarter than what anybody else thinks, and it's like it—it's like as as smart as your iPhone is, and the, you know, it's like this is such a smart thing right. that some of us don't even have no clue how to op- really operate. We just sure. know they tell us do these buttons and it it works. Your iPhone, right? Right? Like there were people doing. The iPhones, but with the Bible. Do you know what I'm saying? With like all this really intricate. All all that that
3: stuff. So I totally
2: believe in all that shit. That there was some really in depth shit. And over time, like, we've done stuff on the Black Sun and like. Just basically, man, was there like some, a smear campaign with Lucifer, and does Lucifer represent Earth, and, you know, and it's
3: just like, yeah, man, there's like some really smart people at work creating some really smart stuff. Well, I, you know, I tend to think that, you know, just on that point, I was trying to, you know, piggyback on that point before, that civilization is so much older than we give it credit for. Yeah. This idea that you know, we just emerged and started doing shit 10 or 12,000 years ago at the end of the last ice age is completely inane to me, you know what I mean? Because of course we're gonna reemerge from the ice age, but the real question to me is all the shit that happened, happened before, before the ice yes. age. And we're such a forgetful species. We don't remember ourselves whatsoever. Like you had the burning of the Library of Alexandria and that was supposed to set us back how many you know years? And then even like on practical terms, you look at uh, roman architecture like uh the archways and the domes like we weren't able to build that shit again once we lost that knowledge for a the really pyramids. long time yeah, you they know say, the pyramids yeah they
0: say that we're closer in time to cleopatra than cleopatra is to the
3: construction of the pyramids yeah, absolutely absolutely and that's if you trust if yeah. you trust the mainstream dating on the pyramids even yeah and the
0: egyptianologists <laughs> they're the ones that are like Basically, they're the gatekeepers that allow anyone around the world to do any sort of excavating and archaeological digs. Because in theory... The Egyptians moved into the pyramids that not even they constructed.
3: A pre, they, it was uh, they. It was a legacy civilization. Yeah. They took it over from people that had already previously constructed it. Is the thought at least? And I think the most compelling evidence of that is just the water erosion at the quarry of the Sphinx. Yep. You know, I think pretty clearly if uh, you look at that and you want to look at it with open eyes, it shows that that quarry was at least around for far before you know whatever, 5,000-year date. It's so like crazy, 7, dude. The
0: yeah, they yeah. and very recently, I think less than like two months ago, they discovered a skeleton in Morocco. And we know we've been human sapiens. Full-on me, Sam, Sean, we've been in this shape for at least 175,000. I've been in better shape. To 200,000 years. We knew that. But mm-hmm. they discovered this skeleton, and now it resets it to 300,000 years we've yeah, been homo sapiens.
3: So you're just telling me we're hunting and gathering. for all, like Humans are amazingly bright, amazingly smart. You give us a couple generations anywhere, we will build some crazy shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I don't believe that in 180,000 years we just weren't doing anything. And I think part of that is you look at where civilization arises, and so much, so much of the time it's on the coast it's access to waterways, right? Yeah. So what happened in the uh, in the Ice Age and stuff, you know? Once all that water receded, we build up on the coast, the Ice Age goes away, the water rises, all that evidence is gonna be coastal or submerged, which even in India you see, um, there's a lot, actually Krishna's city, it's called Dwarka. For the longest time, they thought it was just a myth, much like they thought Troy was a, was a myth and, and Troy wasn't a real city. And then uh, at the beginning of the millennia, they uh, unearthed, uh, you know, proof of structures of Dwarka being there, and have dated it to at least nine thousand years old. Jesus, you know man. what I mean? And it's right there on the on the fucking coast and shit. So I just think the Ice Age hid a lot of our previous previous history, and you know, science as it should be, and archaeology is so kind of slow to kind of see that. But I think now through sites like Dwarka and you know, Go Blackie... do you
2: think Queen, it's slow on purpose to keep a narrative going? That keeps people, not all people, but a lot of people, in particular in Anglo-Saxon countries, to uh, keep them under control? Because if you ta- – like I've always said, yeah. if, if the aliens come – I think there's a lot of religions that just get thrown right out the window, and that scares the shit out well,
3: of a lot of people. The Catholic Church is already hedging their bets on that. They said if aliens come, we can absolutely convert them into Christianity. Oh, you my I mean?
2: God, that's so funny. <laughs> yeah, that yeah, yeah, yeah. So... they said
3: that just within the past five, ten years. Uh, I, don't, <laughs> I don't know if it's—and this is just my view, and I, I don't know if it's like a system of control so much as people have— um, scholarship that has been dedicated that they built their whole careers upon and their whole legacy is built on that and they're so it becomes part of their egoic identity this scholarship you know this idea that you know, this is this way or this is that way. A great example. So if you attack this? that idea, you're attacking who they are yeah. in themselves. Can't agree yeah. with that more.
2: Uh, if you look at this whole Russian hacking thing with the DNC and how in a year there's been no substantial proof of any DNC hacking by the Russians, <laughs> yet I have friends of mine on Facebook who refuse to give up that narrative because that means the last year of their life, was all bullshit. Sure. You know, and we we can go back and forth. I know that you have a... I think you might have a different view of that. I I probably have a little bit different view. But 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 (laughs) respectfully.
3: Respectfully.
2: (laughs) But my point is, as stuff comes out and the narrative keeps changing, they refuse to stay on that.
3: Sure. Because it would mean that the last year was all bullshit. Sure, sure. Uh, I think you see that so much in... uh, in, in, in scholarship uh, as it relates to especially archeology span or things that we're talking about. And even, you see it in everything. I mean, religion, you see it. What is religion but that right there? You know what I mean? And it's not necessarily religion, but it's that mindset. It's the egoic mindset that kind of cultures these objects that we attach ourselves to, both thought objects and like physical objects and stuff like that, which is also why people have such a hard time discussing stuff that they care about. You know, like as far as the Russia stuff, like even if no matter how much you agree or disagree, you should be able to talk with I, that, that, that this about this. Is the whole point of you this know,
2: podcast? It, yeah, is that it's an open discussion on topics that some people are just either think too taboo, uh, too emotional about. It's a, it's an open discussion, sure, yeah. and that's really what this sh- Tim Foyle has all about. It's just really dialogue and discussion on 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 alternative topics right but sure. let's get into this because i'm okay. really excited
0: to hear your take on everything sure so you mentioned a couple of the the main books that as you said post uh, yeah
3: they're the vedas which uh with a with the Upanishads are considered kind of the core text of hinduism I and mean, those are like nine ten thousand bc and then you have the post vedic texts which are like the mahabharata uh which mahabharata contains the bhagavad-gita there you go and uh the Ramayana.
0: Uh, what turned me on the Bhagavad Gita was uh, I love Alan Watts and I'd be listening to him and he'd be talking about the differences in Hinduism and the comparisons to Buddhism and what not a lot of people know is that Buddhism comes from Hinduism.
3: Sure. Prince Siddhartha, uh, who later became the Gautama Buddha and you know the Buddha that we all think of, uh, he started as a prince in India, a, a Hindu prince in India. Yeah.
0: And from what I've read, is that a uh, buddha is the ninth incarnation
3: of shiva see this is where i I, it was important to bring up the point earlier about Mm -hmm. there being no centralized kind of authority figure to delegate that so you get a lot of these different groupings now i'm not familiar with that of it being the ninth incarnation of shiva i'm guessing that's a shivite belief there you go um like you have people who are shivites who are like shiva centric and then you have people who are like Krishna-centric and then people who are like Vishnu-centric, you know, that they have their own little, I hesitate to use the word cult because it has its own connotation, but in the dictionary sense of the word. Is it
2: almost like how you have Catholicism and then uh, uh, baptism and so on, Protestants, they all have, they're all kind of under the same thing, but they all have their their little take on it? Different
3: things. And I would say Buddhism is a much more codified religion than Hinduism is. You know, because you have that central authority figure who is Buddha, who all the teachings and the beliefs are based on that. And we have kind of more of his historical records like Hinduism is really a vague and nebulous thing to the point where you could argue it doesn't exist. I mean, even the name Hindu is a is like a Persian Arabic word given to people in the Indus valley who are worshipping. That's hmm. all it, that's all it all it was. And like to sort of try to understand Hinduism, there's, you said there's 1.1 billion Hindus. There's probably 1.1 different versions of Hinduism.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, and from reading Alan or listening to him and reading him, um, I read the Gita and then I'd listen to another guru of mine, Duncan Trussell, lovely man. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and he talked about the Hare Krishna temple. You know, sure. over, over there is in Venice or Culver City.
3: Is there one over here? I'm, yeah. I'm not familiar with the one here. I went to the one in uh, West Virginia. Yes, yeah, the big one. Yeah, which is very beautiful.
0: And so I was like, you know what? I'm open minded. I'll go check it out. And I went and checked it out, and it was beautiful. It was cool. And they talked to me. They didn't try to. There was no like conversion trying yeah. to get me to sign up. But I got that idea, and that's their thing. Krishna's love. And, and they're
3: they're a Krishna centric version of Hinduism. You know what I mean? Where the other ones you were saying were maybe Shivite. Yeah. So that's. And what is the difference between the two? Well, they're just different deities. It's she like a
0: NFL. It. We got the Falcons. We got, you know, the brontosauruses. <laughs> we got the, you know, it's just different teams, but it's all in. I love those Boston brontosauruses. The they're going to be great. They're going to be good this year, they're right? I think they got year. that defense turned yeah, around, you know for what I mean?
3: Sure. For I think sure. they're going to be
0: good. <laughs> yeah, and so they gave me they gave me their, their Gita. They're like, oh, well, this is our, yeah. our, and I, so I'm looking at it. And, and the
3: Gita I, is? It's, it's, they have their guy Prabhupada. So he's their guru who has made their interpretation of what Hinduism is. And is he
2: alive now or is he from he's a no long time he's ago? He's no
3: longer alive. He's no longer alive. He's OG? He's OG. But even these Hare Krishnas have their own. It's like I would compare it more to like Mormonism within Hinduism because they have their own kind of things going on. Like they think the moon is like half the distance it is, really <laughs> is, and like stuff like that. But, you know, I think I think what Hare Krishna does is they wanted to give something that the western mindset could understand as a vehicle for hinduism so they have a more hierarchical structure than uh what hinduism hinduism is really punk man there's no there's no center to it you know yeah and like even even how we conceive of god in hinduism i would say it's different so like you look at a lot of western religions whether it's you know within the judeo-christian heritage maybe not judaism so but um like, you look at how Christians conceive of God almost as this man sitting on top of a throne in a heaven. And that word or that idea isn't really ap- applicable to Hindu belief. Like, God in Hindu belief is nothing but the uh, the totality of all energy and matter in the universe. You know, so you look at the Big Bang and, you know, all the matter in the universe and everything was there in that point in the Big Bang. And within that was life. And within that was consciousness. You know what I mean? And right. that, the totality of that is what they mean when they say the word God. You know what I mean? So it's a further encompassing thing than just a man or an idea or a manipulator like that's there setting you know, these, uh, these events in motion. So it's kind of a different construction of God. And I think you, you see that in Buddhism as well and in the Eastern traditions. They have more of that kind of approach than the Western material uh, conception of, of what God is, or as your people say, Yahweh.
0: <laughs> yeah there's it's it's so much what I like about any topic is there's layers and it's metaphorical in a sense to where sure. I've heard a story of one of the uh, deities it's uh, Brahmin and Atman. We're having a conversation. And, mm-hmm. They sound like a
2: comedy duo from
3: the <laughs> <50s>. <laughs> It's Brahmin and Atman. <laughs> yeah. The well, hottest Bob and Atman,
2: They would have made it, but, dude, that Laurel and Hardy
3: came through and yeah. just took all their thunder. Coming to <laughs> Pantages this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> Brahman and Atman.
2: Yeah.
0: And uh, Brahman says to Atman, he's like, I want to play a game. I'm going to chop you up into a million pieces, and you have to put yourself back together again. Sure. And, what? And that's what we all are. We all have a piece of the Atman. The all, the higherness, the so when we have these conversations and you know me and sam we're we're in we have our own little secret club we're friends of uh friends of bill and whatnot so we deal with addiction and i feel like that happens in those rooms where we come together we sit in a circle and we have conversations and we connect And in a sense, the only way that God becomes whole again is when we have these conversations and we connect with ourselves. We break down the barriers and we connect with one another. And even podcasting. I mean, I got sober through podcasting. Sure. I heard a conversation on Duncan Trussell once again, and I was like crying in my fucking drink. I'm like smoking weed. I'm snorting. And I was just like, I want to get sober. I want to be like this guy. And in a weird sense, you don't have to be sober. You don't have to be Hindu. You don't have to be Buddhist. You don't have to be Islamic. But for me... It's what it was like a light that brought me to a higher self and got in touch with my own like mm-hmm. inner God. And now mm-hmm. I feel like that's what I can do in a sense. All I can do is be honest, open and willing. Sure. And that's how you do anything. How. H. O. W. And that's how you love and that's how you communicate without having your own belief systems block your ideas. And it's beautiful. And I owe this so much to Sam because like he believed in me. We had these conversations and he's like, Whoa man, you're fucking crazy and I was like, Yeah, let's I'm down to help you You're welcome. Yeah. So (laughs) that's me saying, you know what? My God self, the Namaste, recognizes your God self.
3: I mean, human beings are wicked. We are literally the universe recognizing itself. You know what I mean? Like, take out all religious, non-religious, take out all of that, whatever you want to take from it. But we are literally universal material becoming conscious of the universe around us, which is like insane. Which is well, there's a insane.
2: very famous um, Neil deGrasse Tyson uh, quote, and they asked him, what's the most astounding fact? And I listen to it sometimes when I get really depressed. Maybe I'll play at the end here.
3: The star stuff.
2: It's about yeah. how the universe, the Big Bang, all that is in each one of us, yeah. and how we're all really connected. Yeah. And in a weird way, and I, I I don't want to bring up Satanism again, but when we had the guy on, you really Satan. I have no, no but I just love the different religion and how, sure. like, really, when you break it down, there's so much similarity. Sure. And then what we're talking about is the universe, you, we're all the universe, we're all in one. Their whole thing is, like, we're all gods. You're a god, I'm a god, we're all gods, and we're connected together. You know, and that's a really big thing. Has anyone ever taken all the religions and just sat down and wrote a book about how they're all similar? Has anyone ever done
3: that? I'm sure somebody got a Ph.D. doing that somewhere. I don't know. I
2: think that would be the greatest book ever. But, yeah, man, we're all like the the Big Bang Theory. All that is all in, in in each one of us. And then we have to reconnect with each other and how we're all part of the universe. Yeah,
0: yeah. And by reading, uh, getting into Hinduism and um, just investigating it. What really turned me on being a sci fi nerd is I was like, dude, there's these guys that are blue, there's like multi armed people, <laughs> like, yeah. what, and they're flying around. They're like, and so I was like, what the fuck is this? Let's right. get into and it. And that's man. what brings us into yeah, it. Um, go for it. So, just real quick, I mean, the Mahabharata is basically like, what is it, a 13th century It's like the world's longest poem.
3: Yeah. And that's the other thing lost in the post Vedic books like the Ramayan and the. Uh, the Mahabharata is they're just like the most beautiful poems and verse that have ever been written like even just on a literary r- level they are just so like beautifully constructed and the thoughts within them like if you're in a reading and stuff like you should absolutely read these you know just from a literary and like
0: to very briefly just break it down it is like an epic poem describing a battle for control of a throne and a kingdom between
3: two families. Yeah. It's Game of Thrones yeah, from way Tyrion back in Lannister, the day. There's Lannister, there's Cersei. No, yeah, it's the it's the story of uh the Kauravas and the Pandavs, these uh two clans uh who have come to uh war with each other and it's it's the story of this war and Krishna's role as a central figure in it. And, and how it plays out between these two families, the Korvs and the Pondives. But within it, of course, is all kind of allegory and parable and, and lesson and history as well.
2: It's yeah. a 1.8 million word poem. Yeah, That's unbelievable.
3: Yeah, it's insane. I
2: can't believe no one's tried to beat it.
0: <laughs> and I mean, if you Google search images for what you'd find in there... Um so they battle on the ground it's ancient times using spears and arrows they battle in chariots but one of the things that's really interesting is that they battle using uh, um vimanas vimanas vimanas, which are flying palaces or chariots controlled by the mind Mm -hmm. and uh it's pretty weird because when you see hindu temples they're designed after these vimanas for the most part they have the same shape to them um and they're beautiful, they're really intricate, but they described um, them in these in these books and so they fly around and they'd battle in the sky. So I mean that's weird enough for me that a religion <laughs> talks about like sky battles and
3: Right. And the way that I came to understand these things are a little different because um you know, I became really kind of intrigued by the philosophy behind Hinduism, like, you know, my junior and senior years of high school. So I really started a. Where read was
2: this high school? Where did you go to school?
3: Uh, I went to school in Indianapolis. I'm an Indian from Indiana. <laughs> yeah, and I grew up in this town called Carmel. And, uh, and I was really interested in, in Hindu philosophy and stuff because I didn't quite understand it myself. And one of the texts I came across uh, was the post-Vedic text. It's the Bhagavata Purana, okay? And within this, the descriptions that they have, and I brought some with me, I'll read them, the descriptions that they have about these airships and these Vamanas and the battles are like so stark and so plain in the turn it feels like you're reading like Lucas's Star Wars eight script or something like that. Like the way they just use airplanes and like flying and like the battle. It's so matter of fact that you really are kind of like wondering what are these people seeing? Like, like what are they looking actual. at?
2: It's not like they're writing science fiction, That's, but they're yeah. doing almost play by play or yeah. like reporting the news on this situation.
3: Yeah, exactly. And uh they're they're very uh they're prominent in, in the Mahabharat, like Ryan was saying. Uh, they're really prominent in the Ramayana, and they're also mentioned in the Bhagavata Purana, which is the the creation and the death story of Krishna. And if you guys want me to read this, I can yeah. read that kind of a gnarly yeah. little thing from here.
2: Read a little. I love this, dude. Cause you gotta know something's going on,
3: dude. <laughs> yeah, but these things, like he said, and not only, before I get into this, But, like, not only do they mention it, there are entire, like, treatises and texts about, like, the operation of these things to the point where, like, they're telling you how to make sea landings, like, Sully-style with these things, you (laughs) know what I mean? Like, there's specific instructional operational... Really? ...operational manuals and shit, yeah. Okay.
2: Holy shit.
3: So, like, I was telling you about Dwarka, like, that Krishna city that they didn't think existed and now they found it. This is actually... Um, telling the story of a battle at that that this uh, evil, evil king um, named Salva uh, attacked it. Okay, so this is the 10th ca- canto, the Bhagavata Purana. So Salva sent his army to seize Dvarka uh, below as he flew overhead with every weapon he could throw uh, while tree trunks, hailstones, snakes, and deadly thunderbolts uh, Deadly thunderbolts rained down. A whirlwind fiercely threw up dust eclipsing all around. The citizens of Dvarka were frightened and harassed. Uh, Pradyumna, uh, Queen Rukmi and Krishna's son, assured them, this will pass. Assembling great heroic Yadu warriors and guards, the mighty Salva uh, continued to bombard. Uh, The armies clashed, their weapons crashed, and witnesses were stunned. As if he was the darkness, and Pradyumna was the sun, the wicked Salva quickly frown uh, Pradyumna's golden shafts, and had punctured him and which had punctured him and all his men. He energized his craft; the plane transformed to many airplanes, flying everywhere. Then it was one, and then it simply vanished in the air. Although Pradyamna's prowess pleased both friend and foe alike, the airship's mystic powers made it difficult to strike. At one point Salva's airship seemed to nestle to the ground. Then it appeared in water, on a hill, or flying round. The airship whirled and blistered like a fiery baton, and yet the Yadu army stood its ground and battled on. Wherever Salva showed his airship, Yadu arrows rained. Their burning poison shafts left Salva's soldiers hurt or slain. Dayuman, the chief of Salva's forces, uh, snatched his club of, of steel and fought off his foes and stuck a blow that made Padyamna real. Damn! You know? Not
2: only did they, it, it was very descriptive, and
3: it rhymed. And it rhymed, you it It's like almost Tupac. like when
2: that substitute teacher tries to reach children through rapping. <laughs> <laughs> um, so when does that text come out?
3: This one is like 400, 500 BC.
2: And they're already talking about airplanes?
3: Yeah, they use That's the unbelievable. Trans- airplanes, airships, aircrafts. And, and the references to it go back. Uh, there are a few references in the Vedas, I believe, about Vimanas as well, which is a 9,000, 10,000 BC text, which is 12,000 years before.
2: I mean, his, just yeah. the word airplane. Airplane, is, airship. It's so interesting. He
3: energized the craft. What the hell is energized the crap.
2: So interesting, dude, because airplane is not something that comes for a couple thousand years yeah. or uh, you know uh, 16 16 yeah. 1700 years, you know. Well, Very yeah, interesting.
3: Yeah, and there's also a lot of ethnocentric kind of stuff at play in terms of we don't see other cultures as being able to progress past western civilization. When in the past these cultures were far beyond where Europe was at the time, the Chinese, Japanese, a lot of Middle Eastern cultures, India, were far beyond where Western cultures were at the time. Like you even look at the concept of atoms. We have a, a Swami 4,500 years ago is laying the principle of atoms as a foundational part of the universe as it relates to multi or Who did multidimensionality this? and multiple universes. Okay, like fuck Columbus thinking the earth is round and shit. These dudes were talking about atoms, multiverses, the entire universal conception. Holy shit. A long time ago. But that doesn't get uh, credit as being the first instance of atoms. It's a guy named like Democritus in like Greek in 400, and his thought was like, well, if I keep cutting this bread, eventually I can't cut it anymore <laughs> and what's left is the base of all things. And they give that as credit for the first thought of Adams, and this guy way before that is talking about Adams as it relates to like everything's whitewashed, and dimensions. huh? Yeah, historical yeah.
0: whitewashing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's crazy.
3: Yeah. Just people just knew shit. People yeah. knew shit. You know what I mean?
2: For sure.
3: Yeah.
0: What's really interesting, so now that we're talking about that, um, I mean, you describe these weapons. Yeah. In there, we, we have a quote in here where it does talk about um, it's uh, so his swift and powerful Vimana hurled against the three cities, and a single projectile charged with all the power of the universe. Sure. An incandescent column of smoke and fire, as brilliant as 10,000 suns, rose up in which to ashes r- laid an entire race Dude, of people. Dude, that's
2: crazy. Yeah. So
0: we're talking like nuclear war. And I mean, this clearly describes a catastrophic blast. I mean, a single arrow made of light. Yeah,
3: and and not to take uh, the wind out of the sails of that quote, because all that stuff is in the Mahabharata, but those are all separate quotes that they stitch together to make it look like one. I've seen that on the internet a lot. Mm-hmm. It's not one read-through like quote. that. It's, they parse it from different places. But all, that stuff is, is, is there for the, sure.
0: Yeah, they go on. They talk about the corpses were so burned as to be unrecognizable. Their hair and nails fell out. Pottery broke without any apparent cause, and burns, birds turned to white. After a few hours, all the soldiers threw themselves into a river to escape the fire. Yeah, I mean... Yeah. There's yeah. a lot
3: of people who think there was atomic weapons used in, in ancient India, like nuclear weapons and stuff.
0: And that's what gets us into, um, most recently, there was a discovery in India. And if you could, it's somewhere, you'd probably be able mm-hmm. to pronounce it better than us. It talks about the cities that they've discovered. They found all these skeletons, and they were radioactive.
3: Harappa, yeah.
0: So, right here, since the, you've got the...
2: Is that at the rug?:
0: Harappa
3: in Mohenjo-Daro yeah yeah I've, I've heard about these you hear uh, I can't speak too specifically to this but yeah for some years I've heard the rumors that uh, there were nuclear blasts in these cities in the old days almost like the Sidonia uh, myth on Mars and I think they did they did studies there and I could be mistaken but the radioactivity in the soil is like is like some of the highest in the world and it's it's right there and I don't think for any particular reason that they know. Why it's like that, but uh, yeah, I think when you're talking about ancient cultures and ancient civilizations, we tend to view them um, in this way where we rob them of kind of their intellectual abilities, and uh, and I think part of that you see in this whole idea that we just kind of emerged out of you know this ice age 10,000 years ago. If you're thinking the world is a lot older than that and you have another 180,000 years of history behind that that we don't really know then all sorts of stuff becomes more suddenly more possible you know
0: makes me wonder if there was an ancient instagram if <laughs> there was if there was a google before <laughs> well
2: Although, yeah i mean there's been there's places all over the world where there's like these super high levels of radioactivity right mm-hmm.
1: like
2: ireland they said turkey you want to play this? Yeah. So,
0: yeah, let's talk about it. Robert Oppenheimer. Uh, sure. Part of the Manhattan Project. Did a lot of the tests out at White Sands, New Mexico. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has this famous quote, and it's actually not his. He's quoting. Well, let's go ahead and play it. For those at home. We knew the world Cincinnati.
1: would not be the same. Few people laughed. Few people cried. Most people were silent. the line from the Hindu scripture, the Bhagavad Gita,
3: That shit is so heavy for like multiple reasons, so heavy, but right. was there something you want to ask specifically about it? Well, when I see that, I, I you know, I've known of that quote for a long time, but just seeing him speak it, I can see the pain in his face. Well, he
2: sheds a tear.
3: Yeah, and, and once you understand what the Gita is about, it totally makes sense why he's quoting it, because the whole Gita is Arjun is standing on a battlefield. And he's looking, it's almost like a civil war. And he's looking across the battlefield at his cousins and his family and stuff. And he does not want to fight. He doesn't want to destroy them. But he has to do his dharma. His dharma is his duty. And the entire book is is Vishnu or Krishna. He says Vishnu. is. People think Krishna is an incarnation of Vishnu. But Krishna's entire thing is you have to do your duty. And so the whole thing is about the conversation between Krishna and Arjun about that. And then you look at Oppenheimer's situation, and here he is creating the most destructive force the world has ever seen, you know? And you could see he used those texts as a way to understand, okay, how can I bring this into being? So I think he was looking like this is my duty, my dharma, even though it can cause this pain and, this type of destruction, like it has to, it has to be done. So it makes sense to me while he uses it. The other Oppenheimer quote that's interesting, that I haven't been able to verify if it's real or not. So caveat. Uh, but it's tinfoil hats. Why the fuck not? <laughs> uh, he says that's the first, um, and you can find the exact quote. I'm sure it's easy to find. He goes, "That's the first nuclear weapon that's been made," and then it's like hyphen in our times. Hmm. You know? Oh,
2: interesting. Yeah.
3: So I know Oppenheimer was definitely into like Indian culture and, uh, and, and into uh, Hindu philosophical, philosophical texts. There's also some gnarly stuff about atoms. I should have brought it, but it's talking about the power within the indivisible, like referencing nuclear bombs. Because what is a nuclear bomb? It's the splitting of an atom. And it talks about the incredible power of the universe within the indivisible. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you have this like insane amount of knowledge you know, about the universe around us by these people who we think of as just sitting around in, like, dotis or, you know, like, little tablecloths and shit, like, not not thinking anything. So, I don't know. I think we lost a lot of that between now and then.
2: Let me ask you, uh, and maybe we had already covered it with the, the aircrafts and stuff like that, but I remember talking to you at the Laugh Factory and you were talking about Hinduism and space aliens and UFOs and stuff like that. Yeah. Did are those crafts what we cut, or do you think there was other stuff within well, Hinduism I, I, that uh, would give you know kind of some credence that maybe there are space aliens and we were in, we were in fact um, visited by them?
3: I I could I could speak on that a little bit, and I think it maybe has to do with cargo cults. I think we were having two different conversations. It, maybe you're having an amalgamation of. I have, like, if I was a prosecutor in a case and I had to prove aliens, like, this is my cases that I would bring forth that okay. I've done to very skeptical people, and I can see they kind of think a little bit. But that that's a separate conversation. But as far as it uh, relates to Hinduism...
2: Or just in general, I mean, whatever.
3: Well, okay, I'll say this. So we're talking about these Vimanas, and, you know, I'm talking about this uh, these airships and stuff like that. Within different texts, when you read it, It's almost like, and they're talking about these different gods, it's almost like they're describing the ship itself and, like, they're not able to conceive it as a non-organic entity. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. So, like, they'll see an airship. And that's the reason I bring up the example of cargo cults is, I don't know if you're familiar with it, but in World War II and, like, the Polynesian Islands and everything like that, we would use those as like strategic forward operating bases, right? So we landed there during that time. We'd set up our runways and everything like that, and we left. And what they found when they came back, you know, Westerners came back 30, 40 years later or whatever, is you had these islanders, these native islanders on these islands who had built like little figures of the planes themselves and like built like little out of straw and stuff, little like U.S. Air Force men and their little uniforms and stuff. And they were praying to like these planes and stuff and these idols Ah. for that they would one day bring back the bounty. You know, because on these cargo, I'm sure they had like Hershey bars and like, right, right. and like you know, all kinds of stuff like that. So they came back later and they found that these isolated civilizations had built entire religions and belief systems around those things. Okay, so then I bring up the example of uh, these airships, and you'll have like you'll have okay, it had it would move about in the air like Shiva would move in the air at incredible speeds, and he would fire his trident down upon. The Earth, and you would, and you're reading it, and you're like, this isn't, like to me, this isn't a person, like this isn't an organic entity, like this is clearly like a ship or some shit like that that these people have prescribed these notions of organic life qualities onto. Okay. Because they don't, they don't have any. Conception that something in the sky that can fly like that wouldn't be like a bird or, or something, you know?
2: When they put the Bible together, there was this whole theory that they left out many of uh, different chapters or books oh, from it.
1: For and a lot sure. of them had to
2: do with space aliens.
0: The book for of sure. Enoch. The book of Enoch, what is that? Yeah. It well, Enoch has reference to Anunnaki. And it's it's like everything's built upon I mean the Bible's just retelling of stories that have happened in the past. Sure, of course. Like the flood. The flood is in is present in two thousand different cultures around the world.
3: Right, which and I would say is the end of the last ice age, which is why it's prevalent. Yeah,
0: yeah. No, it's uh, what you're saying. All I could think about is when uh, the Spanish showed up, and to the Aztecs, mm-hmm. they taught. They thought they were gods because they never the horses had not been in North America for like. 12, sure. Like 12,000 years. Zebras actually came from North America, weird enough. So they see these half man, half animal, they, all they had was deer and then they just saw them coming towards them and they like just got down on their knees because they're like, damn, here comes our gods and then they just lopped their heads off. Sure. And they'd never seen like war dogs. They didn't have like, like tame dogs and when the Spanish showed up they used the, everything they had to their advantage to conquer these people. So it's like these stories. Including
3: the belief that they thought they were gods. Yeah. 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 It's yeah. One of my favorite, uh, and then th- there's one thing I want to say about, uh, you brought up an interesting point of when they were bringing together Christianity. Yeah. I want to go back to that if we have time. Let's do it. But, um, but even there's this quote Uh, About this like Native American chief and he had like a dream. I hope I don't butcher this the
0: Hopi Indians
3: And it was like a quote like something like, you know He could see the apocalypse coming for his people and he's like when when like iron Snakes and I roam the land and iron birds are in the sky. You'll know our time is done You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, that was a Hopi Indian that he had shaman had a vision And he also said in there that when the world is covered in a spider's web. Yeah, Spider's web, the so web, wrong. the satellites, just the internet. In a spider's web? Yeah, he's yeah. That's, So he had this in a dream. He said, "When the world is covered in a spider's web," he talked about this, the snakes and the iron birds, that the end of his people would come. Yeah. So yeah, he yeah. tells his people, the Hopi Indians, and they all gather together and they get all hyped up and they they're having this like, they're trying to contact the, you know their belief system, and now they're just getting crazy. They're dancing out there and just screaming, and up on a hilltop there was the US uh, Army Rangers. Uh, they were watching this happen, and they're like, oh fuck, this is an Indian uprising. <laughs> so then they went down there and they slaughtered them.
3: Of oh, course, that's so the solution what, to everything at that time. So, so what
0: came first? Was it the notion that like, it's like anything, like people that, shamans, people that use psychedelics, people that like are artists, are they seeing the events coming, or are they making the events oh, coming? Oh, yeah, you know, yeah. Sounds first? like
2: the original
3: drug war right there.
2: Yeah. <laughs> right? A couple people do drugs, boom, now law enforcement comes in and fucks everybody up. That's great. That's okay. an interesting
3: but those, question. Those Native American traditions are really smart, and a lot of the religions are really beautiful. Like, even in terms of we were talking about realizing the universe, that it is the way it is before a lot of modern sciences, these guys had some really profound beliefs that they don't get a lot of credit for. Like, if you guys ever want to read the book Black Elk Speaks, just that... Uh,
2: Black Elk Speaks. Black
3: Elk Speaks. He was, like, one of the last chiefs of his tribe, and um the way that he speaks about their religion and stuff is just is just at such a high philosophical level for anybody that's actually interested in kind of ancient wisdom. I would totally recommend reading black elk speaks
0: and what were you saying about um if you write- christianity and oh
3: yeah yeah yeah
0: i mean me being a white guy growing up in the suburbs <laughs> anything that was outside of the culture i was in i was into so i was like dude i'm down for reggae i'm down i got into right. indian raga music and i was like and i was also doing lots of acid at the time so of those course. go hand in hand and then hinduism and buddhism and all the way down to taoism i was like dude I, I just couldn't eat it up fast enough because well, i like to see different points sure. of
3: perspectives sure yeah i can go into that real quick first of all like hinduism is like such an inclusive religion uh to the point that like many schools of hinduism are actually atheist in uh, in their conception hmm. um but just to further that point like growing up uh like Every place I would go, almost, you'd always see, like, in the little shrines and homes, like, figures of Jesus and stuff and pictures of Jesus. In Indiana?
0: In Indiana. That's never happened. Well,
3: the Indians in Indiana, I mean. Oh, okay. Like, uh, I had a little buddy Jesus from the Kevin Smith movie Dogma, and I had come home from college, and my mom had put that in, like, our little shrine. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, the whole thing is, like, you know, you never limit. God can show himself in in many ways. But the Christ story is really interesting. I'm sure you have— some things on it too but the christ story is really interesting if you look at the bible and the way that it talks about christ from the age of 12 to 30 he's nowhere to be seen (laughs) there's nothing of it so there's actually more years of the that they don't describe than they actually do and then you get into the actual story of um of jesus's birth right and the three wise men who come from the East, right? And it's just automatically assumed that those guys are like Persian or Middle Eastern, which isn't the case at all. If you look at how Buddhists actually find their incarnations, if you look at this last Dalai Lama or the Pinchin Lama and the way they go about it, they bring gifts that are in the form of uh, the previous incarnation's possessions. Oh my God! Yeah, and not only that, they follow, like, star signs and shit like that. And what was supposed to be in the sky, I think now they think it was, like, 7 AD or BC, this quote-unquote star of Bethlehem. So when you read that within an Eastern text, it makes total sense. Those aren't Persian guys. Those are three Tibetan motherfuckers coming to see this next Lama or whatever he is. Yeah.
1: Whoa!
3: Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. Then you, and then you get... <laughs> and then you get kind of, like, into the similarities... Um, between like Krishna and Jesus, the similarities are so much uh, at the level that early Indologists, when the British took over, assumed that Hinduism was based on Christianity or Krishna was based on Christianity because there were so many similarities within their origin stories. Uh, Like for instance, he had a King Herod figure who was trying to destroy him because it was prophecy that the kid would bring down you know, his, his kingdom. Then other than that, you have records in India and Tibet of the saint Ishanath. That's what uh, Christ is known as in India as is Ishanath. So in India, you ask them, they'll tell you, yeah, Christ came here. He came here and he learned these things. He studied with Brahmanites uh, along the Ganga and then he studied with Buddhists and he took that knowledge, that Eastern knowledge, and he came back and he tried to teach it to the West but this bastardized version is what came out like if you look at jesus's teachings they are so different from the rest of christianity like gandhi would always say i like your christ but not your christians you know what i mean <laughs> like jesus's teachings are actually very beautiful the sermon on the mount is so different from anything else that you're going to see and his teachings are so different that thomas jefferson actually took out all the other stuff in the bible Other than Jesus' teachings, and he actually has his own version of the Bible. It's called the Jefferson Bible. Huh. It's only like 50 pages long or something like that. (laughs) And it's all just Jesus. No, it's all just what he can seriously attribute as being actually said by Jesus in his actual teachings. So interesting. Like none of the bullshit.
2: I used to have a joke. I do a great joke about. I wonder if Jesus ever played any bad gigs because nobody knew where he was. <laughs> so he's about 32. I tell you, he was on the road doing shit-ass gigs in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. I'm like, I wonder if the other, like, all the other prophets hated him. Yeah. It's like, why is everybody like Jesus? Oh, he, he's just doing Buddha shit. That's Buddha. That's all. That's Buddha's first album. Buddha's second album. <laughs> Buddha's third <laughs> album. You know?
3: That's fucking hilarious. Actually.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, I got. you still
3: topic. do that bit or no?
2: Yeah, and I talk about how Jesus invented CrossFit. Yeah, yeah. You know, carrying the cross of that was course. cardio with resistance. Of course. And, it, you know, right? If uh, Hey, dude, you know why they call it CrossFit? Because you were fit for the cross. You can't put fat fucks up there. They'll <laughs> fall off the thing. Um, it's been good. Uh-huh. Thank you so much for coming on, dude. Okay. We'd love I to have got, you on again. I get a God more. <laughs> no, we'll do it. We'll do it again, dude. Yes. Yeah, this sure. is a great conversation. For sure. And this is what the podcast is all about. Just, uh, you know, just, yeah, we'll do some shit about, you know, um,
3: there's so much more shit on that, on the Jesus India connection. That's no, really crazy. We'll so.
2: we'll you no, know, yeah. we'll do it some more, dude. We'll do it some more. I mean, I'm totally down with doing this over. We'll do everything. Like, you know, oh, it was 9-11, an inside job. We'll do that too. And we'll also talk about Hinduism and flying ships and all that <laughs> stuff, man. That's why I love. That's why you know, what's so funny. As you, as you were just talking and I was listening to you and I was thinking about, you know, this feed that this show is on and it started out as the naughty show. Right. Then it became, which was just like interviewing people, you know, adult film stars, all this stuff. Okay. And then it got into the the, the uh, International Bad Boys, which was all about recovery and the stories of party and all that shit. And now we're into right. this thing. And it's like, it's shit. so much of my life. Yeah. It's like I went from crazy to get my shit straight to trying to explore what the world's all about. Let's do some real quick. Let's do some readings. Uh, You want to start? Uh Real quick, do you got anything you want to push?
3: No, nah, you got my at Sean, Joe S H I If you're in Vegas at the end of next month, come see me. That's
2: Perfect. At the Laugh Factory. Uh, read from right here. There we um, go.
0: All right, this is five-star reviews off iTunes. Um, This is from uh, Censored and Disappointed.
2: All right. Cool
0: stuff. (laughs) Sweet stuff. Sick stuff. Yeah, they want longer, guys.
2: (laughs) Trust me. We're going to do it longer, but we got to work some. we We got that. The podcast has to grow. Trust me on that one. And this one is from
0: at Chris underscore H00D. It says, great theories with interesting guests. Enough lividity to keep it jumping around, wish they'd go deeper on certain topics like they did with the Tupac Biggie. Remind us that it's impolite that fun questions the narrative. So, and Then know, you got
2: one more you got uh, right here, the second one.
0: All right, here we go. And this is by Trav Bone. What up, Trav Bone? Five-star review. Ryan and Sam have made a great platform for diving and divulging information. Their guests have been great, and there has... Hasn't been a single dull episode. Be sure to watch them all and keep us coming. Great work.
2: Thank you. All right, we're gonna end on. Uh, I'm gonna play that, Tyson, that Neil deGrasse Tyson quote. A good but one. real quick, I, we got to go to everyone's favorite segment. Aaron, thoughts? Uh, I mean, it's fun to to postulate the idea that that there were aliens in ancient India. I mean, that's awesome. Yeah, that would
3: be f- super fun.
2: Okay, but uh, but here's where's that but?
3: <laughs> well, I mean <laughs> that's what he's here for. There's no, I mean,
0: you know, There's, Hey, he's waking up,
3: guys.
2: He's waking
0: up.
3: You should let me do my case on him. I think <laughs> I could I could do a, a good case on him. Can I, you? I do, could do a good prosecutor's case.
2: Okay, okay. I would love. I wish we had done that earlier. Our whole thing is to wake Aaron up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You need to, man.
3: Okay. He doesn't <laughs> like that hairy pussy, man. You got to wake <laughs> yeah, his ass up. Yeah, you
2: got to wake. He feels us, man. All right, so this is uh, the most astounding fact by Neil deGrasse Tyson. If you ever get depressed in your life, you think you're all alone. This is an uh, an amazing uh, video, and I hope you enjoy it. And it's gonna take us out, and we'll see you on the other side. We got some great shows coming up, man. Thank you for tuning in. If you love the shows, let your friends know, man. Put it everywhere: Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Put it out there.
1: Let your friends know. Is the most astounding fact you can share with us about the universe the most astounding fact the most astounding fact is the knowledge that the atoms that comprise life on earth the atoms that make up the human body are traceable to the crucibles that cooked light elements into heavy elements in their core under extreme temperatures and pressures these stars the high mass ones among them went unstable in their later years they collapsed and then exploded scattering their enriched guts across the galaxy guts made of carbon nitrogen oxygen and all the fundamental ingredients of life itself these ingredients become part of gas clouds that condense, collapse, form the next generation of solar systems, stars with orbiting planets. And those planets now have the ingredients for life itself. So that when I look up at the night sky, and I know that, yes, we are part of this universe, we are in this universe, but perhaps more important than both of those facts, is that the universe is in us. When I reflect on that fact, I look up, many people feel small because they're small and the universe is big, but I feel big. Because my atoms came from those stars. There's a level of connectivity. That's really what you want in life. You want to feel connected. You want to feel relevant. You want to feel like you're a participant and the goings-on of activities and events around you. That's precisely what we are, just by being alive.